This is the Four Man Rush. Hey, what's going on? This is the Four Man Rush coming to you with episode seven, but not just any episode. This is the post 2019 NFL draft episode. Riding along with me tonight are my usual business partners here, Will Harris and uh, Larry Reynolds. Hey, let's just jump right to it. You know, the NFL draft had its annual selection uh, this past Thursday, Friday, and Saturday in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, with the Carolina Panthers with the 16th pick, a lot of speculation going on, but uh, I think we nailed it on the head with the pick. Brian Burns, defensive end slash outside linebacker from Florida State University. Hey, I was I was at Bank of America Stadium and. I was ecstatic with the pick, and uh, thanks to a little inside help, I was telling everybody before his pick it was Brian Burns, you know, just to kind of spook people a little bit. But uh, you know, we keep the plug to ourselves. But anyway, I definitely enjoyed the fact that we got someone that's going to fit this hybrid defense, someone that can provide explosiveness, just a real game changer. Definitely going to have to go through his learning curve as a rookie, but. Once that light comes on, fellas, I think we really got a we got a player that's that's going to bring us a lot of positive memories for years to come. I'm going to start with you, Larry. I mean, you're a FSU fan to the core. How was you feeling about drafting a Brian Burns? In regards to Brian Burns, man, I'm ecstatic. For one, I'm an FSU fan, die hard. Also, you know, I really support NFL players that have some kind of NFL pedigree to them. A lot of you may know that his brother was a former Carolina Panther selection. And also Everett Brown, which is a former Carolina Panther selection, had a lot of hands-on work with him because he was actually coaching down there. So, I mean, I love his speed off the edge. It's something that we haven't had in a long time. Um, he reminds me a little bit of Mario Addison as far as his get-off, as far as his, his will to get better. Um, I've noticed from the years that he was at Florida State, he got better every single year, every single snap. So I'm extremely excited about what he could possibly do for us. And hopefully we start getting back to the quarterback like we did in years past when we went to the Super Bowl and also back in 2013. But I'll let you guys talk about the rest of Brian Burns. You guys know I'm excited. I'm excited. So, Will, you, just, you did a lot of film study. You was the one that, you know, pretty much introduced us to really take a hard look at Brian Burns about two months ago. So, you know, give us your insight on what initially caught your eye and, and what you feel like led to him being such a good fit with the Panthers. Yeah, with Brian Burns, you know, he checks every box. You know, he has the athletic traits you're looking for. You know, he tested very well at the combine. He has the production to back that up. Most importantly, he complements it with his skill set. You know, he's got very active, violent hands, good hand technique. You know, he's got very explosive off the ball. He can bend the corner, which is a rare trait to have. When you're looking at these various things of a, what you're looking for in an edge rusher, he checks every box. I just can't wait to see what Eric Washington's able to do with him. I mean, Eric Washington took guys like Mario Addison, who came in the league as somewhat of a project, bouncing from different teams. He's become a consistent uh, player, getting 10 sacks a year. So now imagine what he can do with a guy with the athletic profile and technique and polish that Burns has. You know, I just think, as good as he is now, there's just so much he can add to his arsenal. And I'm just excited to see what he could become as a pro. Yeah, and another thing I want to add, just to throw some, you know, numbers in here about it, about Brian Burns. I mean, at Florida State, he led the nation for all defensive ends with the most quarterback pressures last year. We're talking 66 quarterback pressures. And I think what if – you break that down with what's it, 12 games in a regular season uh, before, you know, conference championships. So you're thinking what average about five times a game, he's, he's causing problems for the quarterback. So, I mean, that's just, that's just something that, that we need here in Carolina. And I mean, just someone that's, as you said earlier, just steadily improve. I'm looking at the uh, pro football focus grades for him. I mean, 2016, they had him in a 67.5. 2017, uh, a 70.9, and then he took a big leap last year with an 87.2 grade according to Pro Football Focus. So you see a guy that's just gradually getting better with more reps, and I think that under the tutelage, as you mentioned, of 
uh, will of Eric Washington. I mean, he, the sky, the sky's the limit, but he's going to have to put in the grind. He's going to have to put in the work, but he's someone that I'm, I'm definitely excited and looking forward to seeing what he adds to it. Larry, what you think about when you think about the type of teams the Panthers are going to face, like how you think Brian Burns can uh, help affect our pass rush? I mean, I think he'll make an impact from week one. I also like the idea that, you know, you got guys like Bruce Irvin that are going to spell him or going to actually help him out. You know, he might not have to do a full load because I know people have some questions about his motor. You know, it looks like he might take some plays off. I don't think that's actually within him. I just think it was just the culture. You know, they did a lot of losing last year. And also, you know, they played down a lot. So I just think that once he's in this environment with our culture, he'll give 100% energy every single week. And uh, we were talking earlier, so I know um, he's got his hands cut out for him for week one. You know, that's going to be his big test. He's going to be facing Brandon Cooks. So it's key that we get pressure on the quarterback immediately so, you know, we can help out the secondary. I don't think he has a problem because, honestly, the moves that I see him use are NFL moves. Like, a lot of guys just look at a D lineman and they see them do a spin. But if you go look at uh, Will's breakdown, he does the chop, then the spin. So he's already throwing the offensive tackle off his balance and then the spin. And then he sets that all up with the speed rush. The speed he has and the get-off he has, is elite. If there's anything to say that's elite about a rookie, it's that. It's his get-off, and it's his go-to counter move. So I have no issues believing that he'll be able to at least get a couple of hits on the quarterback starting week one. And hopefully we'll be able to see it in the preseason. It's very rare you see a rookie come in this polished with uh, as far as hand technique and the number of pass rush moves in the arsenal. That's, you know, I think if he was maybe 260 instead of 230, at playing weight, he'd probably be a top five pick and right in the same league as uh, Josh Allen and Bosa and all of them. I just think his weight was probably why he dropped so much. You know, when you have that athleticism and that polish combined already, it just has to excite you on what he could become at the next level. If there's any kind of any kind of concern I have, I just want him to – one thing that I was excited about because I thought we were probably going to get Cleveland Farrell is the fact that, you know, you can start with the speed rush, you can start with the quick get off. I just like to see guys, and you see Von Miller do this all the time, but convert that speed into power. I didn't see too much of that, but I feel like once he's able to develop that bull rush, man, he'll be unstoppable, to be honest with you. I see this guy. I don't see him being a, you know, a 10-sack-a-year guy. I see him having some elite years, like maybe getting, like, you know, what Greg Hardy did for us, get us 15, 16 sacks. I think he has that ability once he's able to put it all together. If there's any flaws I could say about him, I just want him to get stronger, and hopefully he can look at leverage and develop that bull rush. Yeah, when you look at him play, you know, he's he's got good upper body strength. You know, I think the misconception was that he wasn't that strong in run support, but he's got a good initial punch. You know, he uses his long arms to get control of the blocker, and he sets the edge very well. I just think he needs to develop that lower body strength, and luckily I think his body can handle that additional weight, you know, add that muscle to the calves and the legs become that more explosive now he can you know not only get that uh, rip spin move he can give you a little shake and bake bull rush you right into the quarterback there's just so much more you can add to his game you know just got to be excited about what this guy can become but at the same time you know you got to be patient because I'm going to give you some numbers from uh, some elite NFL defensive ends you know rookie season J.J. Watt five and a half sacks Jason Pierre-Paul four and a half sacks, Khalil Mack, four sacks, Chandler Jones, six sacks. So even they had a learning curve, and look how great they became. So, you know, with Brian Burns, you got to be patient. At the same time, his upside and what he can become can excite you. You know, I think he can become that caliber of player. Yeah, so, you know, you know, to wrap it up about Brian Burns, I just, you know, from what I watched him on film, I mean, y'all pretty much hit everything on the head as far as, areas of improvement, but this is all stuff that is can be fixed with coaching and reps. And we feel like that we definitely have one of the top line defensive line coaches and definitely has great players to learn from. I mean, he's talking about Addison, Irvin. Uh, these are players that they have played this hybrid role for us that can really help, you know, show them the way. But I just uh, advise Panther fans to have patience, Definitely uh, allow the progress to take place, and 
we'll be looking back a few years from now and be like, wow, we got a steal. When we first got Mario Addison, he gave us, I believe, not, not the very first year because then he played in two games, but I think the next year when he had a consistent role, he gave us six sacks or six and a half sacks. That's where I'm setting the bar at for Burns, man. Give me six and a half sacks. That bull rush is going to come because it's not so much about strength. It's just knowing your opponent, catching them off balance, knowing your leverage. That's all stuff Eric Washington is going to teach him. So like you go, like everybody said, man, the sky's the limit. And one thing with the Panthers do, they do they rotate their D linemen to keep them fresh. So last season, Mario Addison was the um, leader in number of snaps, and he played 66% of the snaps. So it's not like he's playing every down of the game. So I think Brian Burns will fit well in that rotation with Addison, Irvin, and possibly Christian Miller, who we'll talk about a little bit later to, tonight. But, you know, I just think, you know, but that when you talk about maybe he was taking plays off or his motor, maybe it was because he was playing every single snap at Florida State. Now coming to the Panthers, he's going to get that breather. He's going to be fresh, you know, all four quarters. So let's, we'll see how that goes. That's a really good point, man. So let's move on, on to the second round pick now. I don't know about any of you guys. When I got the alert that the Panthers had traded up in the second round, I, I, I admit I had some I had some bad flashbacks. I'm not even going to lie. I was like, oh, what Herney done did, what we done gave up, how far are we going up? You know, I was I was a little bit nervous, but I saw we moved up 10 spots from 47 to 37. Uh, we basically got the fifth pick in the second round, and we used that to graph Greg Little out of Ole Miss. And, you know, with me and Larry Ben, the guys that particularly love watching linemen, I mean, this was someone that, that you know, we had been speaking about from the very beginning of this draft process. And, you know, this is someone that came into college in 2016 as the number one ranked offensive lineman in the entire country. So he came in with an elite prestige about him. And he really didn't do much at Ole Miss to tarnish that eliteness, at least when it comes to pass blocking. We'll get into the rest of it a little bit later on. I'm excited about having Greg Little. Rivera said that he can play either tackle spot and some guard. So again, that position flexibility. I'm going to pass off to my man Larry here. I mean, tell me, what is it about Greg Little that, that caught your eye and made you think that he has potential to do well at the NFL level? Well, in the beginning, man, I was his biggest critic. You know, that was a guy that, I'll be honest with Panther Nation, I didn't want the guy, to be honest with you. I was bigger on, you know, I was really bigger on, you know, Andre Dillard. That was my favorite tackle in the draft. I just saw some flaws with Greg Little as far as in the run game, and I feel like I felt like that was going to really deter me from wanting to draft him. But once we started talking about him possibly, possibly being here, once I started seeing more mocks with him being here, and once I got the word that he would probably be here, I just try to study him a little bit closer. When it comes to pass blocking, man, he can work on some things as far as technique, as far as getting out of his stance and stuff like that. But he's the type of guy, once he get his hands on you, he has such good feet, he's going to stay in front of you. That's why he was so good at pass blocking. I think what we're going to learn is that Masco has a way of getting to players and making them play with more desire. When I saw him make mistakes, like as far as pulling, not blocking anybody, as far as uh, combo blocking to the second level and missing a guy, it didn't come down to ability. It actually just came down to, you know, desire or even more so just knowing what to do. He has all the athletic tools to do everything you want him to do as far as an offensive lineman. I have no issues with him pass blocking. And honestly, when we went into this drive, that's what we were concerned about. The whole priority is protecting Cam Newton when he takes a three-step, five-step, seven-step drop. I have no issues with Greg Little as far as that goes. I just have to have faith that, you know, we have the coaching staff that's going to make, a, make him a complete tackle. And as far as everything goes, he's an upgrade from what we had. You know, I think he's an upgrade as far as Matt Khalil goes. He's a better athlete, and he's better in pass protection. So the sky's the limit for him too. But he was just one of those players where at first I didn't really want him. But as you dig into the tape, as you watch him more, you look at his resume, you begin to fall in love with the guy. So I think he'll be an asset for us. I think he'll be a day one starter at left tackle. I'm putting that out there right now. They'll probably kick Moten into the left guard position. 
But we got a steal. You know, a lot of people had a first-round grade on him. We got him in the second round, so it's really nothing to argue about. Now, Will, with you being such a heavy film guy, was there anything that you saw when it came to um, Greg Little versus SEC competition? Because, you know, every week it's a dog fighting the SEC. You know, if anything, that's the NFL developmental league if you ask most, you know, football fans. But from what you saw on film, looking at Greg Little, Will, tell me, what was it that you noticed how he performed against some of the elite uh, edge defenders in the uh, SEC? I mean, he held his own against guys like uh, Montez Sweat. You know, I think when I look at, um, I mean, I watch other people's film studies on Greg Little. I think why uh, guys like Jawan Taylor, Jonah Williams was getting more attention was I think Greg Little just lacks that nastiness, that extra edge that people like to see in that offensive lineman. You know, when even like a Cody Ford, you know, he got that extra edge. You know, they're not going to, they're going to block to the whistle and finish you, put you into the ground. And they're not satisfied till they put you on your back. You know, Greg Little doesn't have that nastiness as a run blocker. I think that's probably why he wasn't as highly regarded as those other guys and probably why he was available at the second round. But as far as being a technician, having great feet, being a good pass blocker, he's a very good offensive lineman. I you know I'm excited about the pick. You know, I think the Panthers had a first-round grade on him. So by trading up, you know, they felt like they were getting a steal, getting him where they got him at. I think with John Masco and, you know, veterans like Trey Turner, Matt Parodies, even Daryl Williams, I think he'll be able to grow and improve in, on his weaknesses. You know, so I'm excited about the pick. You know, I think we really did get a guy who a lot of teams had a first-round grade on, you know, in the second round. But I still, at the same time, I would like to see him get that dog in him, you know, become more nasty and improve uh, in that run-blocking area. Yeah, definitely. I, that was something that when I dropped – you know, my part one and part two front four film rush about him. That was one thing that as a lineman myself and someone that likes to watch the line, you know, seeing that lack of execution and nastiness and run game, it, it bothered me a little bit. You know, I got to keep it real. It, it did. But I understand, you know, with Ole Miss, you know, they were pretty much a pass heavy team, 70% pass, 30% run. So it's not like they, you know, practice and extensively you know, put him in position to be a good run blocker. But I think that he has the tools to become better. And under the magic of Masco, I think he will. But little to deny his his ability in the pass blocking game, um, according to Pro Football Focus, in the last two years of left tackle, Greg Little, out of 993 pass blocking plays, he only gave up 26 total pressures. Of those 26 pressures, only three of those were sacks. So you do the math, 26 total pressures out of 993, basically that's one pressure every 38 pass plays. If Cam Newton can get that type of protection on his left side, we're going to be eating good all season long. Obviously, the competition is going to be different, but just that type of elite background, I think that's something that can be built upon and, and made better. Hey, Kev, just a quick question, man. When I studied film with him, you know, you know the type of players I like. I like the type of linemen, whether you're a tackle, guard, or center. I know in our system, we like to pull guys, whether it's on the screen, whether it's on the toss. How do you think he'll play in space? Because the one play that I did see with him pulling, you know, I was taught, you know, if you pull, even if your assignment is not there and you can't block him, you're supposed to immediately turn up field and hit somebody. We didn't see that from him. But just as far as the athletic standpoint, how do you think he'll be able to play in space? Based on what I watched, honestly, I think he's going to play well in space. I didn't see too many wasted steps in the pool. Now, again, not sure how they designed the play. It seemed like, you know, when he pulled, his job was either get someone on the, like the defense end on the opposite side of the formation or maybe an outside linebacker coming. I, I didn't see too many times where he pulled and got up you know, got up in the middle of the defense here, but, you know, with the with the run designs and the Air Korea offense on North Turner, everybody's pulling. We're going to have centers pulling, guards, tackles. So, you know, that's definitely something that he's going to have to work on. And again, with only 30% running plays throughout most of his career, I just think with repetition, he's going to get better. He has the tools to do it, but 
is, is just going to have to just come from reps and reps. And I think Camp Walford is going to be uh, his first hard not lesson to understand the value of of run blocking. And because, as y'all all know, Carolina Panthers have been leading the league in rushing pretty much since 2008. And we're not trying to give up that title no time soon. So I think he has what it takes to be a, a very good run blocker to complement his pass blocking abilities. And God help us in two or three years, if his run blocking can get anywhere near where his current pass blocking is, I wouldn't be mad to say we could be looking at a potential all pro in a few years. But he has what it takes. It's just a matter of him doing it. Since you brought up Camp, I'm sorry, Will. Let me just get this off, though, because you brought up uh, Camp Wofford. I'll be honest with you. We'll know about Greg Little right away (laughs) because he's going to have one-on-ones with – Bruce Irvin, Mario Addison, Brian Burns, Christian Miller. We'll know right away if Greg Little has what it takes to last in this league. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, I was going to say, but, you know, my, John Masco's taking journeyman and turn him into all pros. I mean, Daryl Williams coming out, he wasn't a blue chip guy. He was a, what, fourth round pick, you know, first year. Everybody was just about ready to get up on, give up on him. And you saw how he improved over the years. Andrew Norwell was undrafted. So, I mean, it's one of the more talented guys he's had, you know, during his time in Carolina off the bat. And you just look at um, Ole Miss. I mean, you got guys like Greg Little, who was a blue-chip guy coming out of high school. You got DK Metcalf, who was a freak athlete in nature. Why are these guys so underdeveloped? You know, is it their coaching staff? What is their coaching staff teaching them down there? So, I want to give him a chance with John Masco to see what he can do with them because I think he can kind of take them to that next level. I got an answer for you, man. Ole Miss, they they got a their coaching staff isn't what you, isn't where you would want it to be, but they got a really good recruiting staff, so they know how to go get players, but they don't really develop them. That's why it's always like a you're taking a chance when you take an Ole Miss player, but if you can go ahead and develop them. Listen, by all means, they'll probably be an All Pro, just like Kevin said. So I got confidence in that pick, man. I really do. I like Greg Little now. Hey, and to go off what you just was saying a moment ago, Will, about the salary cap, what people got to get in mind is we're going to get a little break in between, you know, because both Taylor Moten and Greg Little were chosen in the second round. So second round players, you know, you got that four-year, uh, you got that four-year rookie deal. So Moten is coming up on his third, and – Little's going to be just now starting out. So when it's time to re-up and uh, pay Moten, we'll have about two years before it's time to do the same for uh, Little. So that's something that's going to be, you know, key as well, is that we won't have these big contracts coming down at once. Hey, Kev, is there any downfall to that as far as not having a fifth-year option? Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about a, a, premier, position, a premier position like that, it, it would be good to buy some time. You know, depending on what your salary cap situation looks like. But from what I'm seeing with projections, you know, 20, the year 2020 and 2021 are going to be looking a lot better for the Carolina Panthers. So I think that with making the right moves and letting the right players, you know, transition their way out of here, it'll be something that we can navigate as well. Plus, we always got the hope that, you know, the salary cap will continue to increase with NFL revenue. But I think that uh, it would be nice to have a fifth-year option on a premier position. But, hey, you know, you got to play the card you dealt with. Uh, I, I trust the GM, and if it's Herney at that time, I, I trust him to make the right moves financially. If you remember, we uh, Herney tried to trade into the late first round to get Greg Little, but somebody, uh, I think it was Atlanta, actually, they beat our offer and then took McGarry, thankfully. So we was able to trade up in the second and get uh, Greg Little. So McGarry going to have to see Brian Burns early and off. Just know that. Just to give the uh, the fans some insight about what's being spoken about in Atlanta, they got McGarry. You know, he got a lot of stuff to work on. He was actually projected as like a the sixth tackle on the board. They saw him going like either late second or early third. So it's obviously obvious that Atlanta reached on him. But as far as his pros is, he's he's incredibly strong. So if he gets his hand on the guy, he ain't going nowhere. But I don't think he's actually he's actually seen the speed that our edge rushes brings to the game. He's never seen a Brian Burns in the Pac-12. 
He's never seen a Christian Miller in the Pac-12. So I think we'll be able to expose him early and often. So I can't wait to play Atlanta because I think they messed up their whole draft. All they cared about was improving the offensive line. And it's just – they might have done it, but it's going to take some time because they chose to take developmental players. Even the, even the guard. He's a pure guard. But he has some weaknesses too. They say he – in pass pro, instead of actually engaging the defensive lineman, he likes to catch guys. That works in college, but you're not going to catch you're not going to catch Aaron Donald in the NFL. He's just going to bull rush you. So they're going to go through some they're going to go through some 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 issues. And I just want to play them as soon as we can, just to show them that we had a better draft with them. Panther Nation, as y'all know, man, I hate Atlanta. So whatever come down to Atlanta, I'm going to talk all day long. Yeah, definitely. So I call you know them trading back in the first. I call that the Brian Burns effect because. I think once they realize <laughs> we got Brian Burns, ah, shucks, not, not, hold on, we, we need to, we need to do something. You know that that was a direct um, response to that. That's just my opinion. So anyone that gets the Panthers defense and fantasy football when we play Atlanta, start them, <laughs> start them. But also, real quickly, Panther fans, just to let y'all know, Will Harris put down a YouTube video. Once you check that out about Brian Burns, and I also dropped. Uh, part one and part two of Greg Little, so make sure y'all check that out as well. Hey, Kev, you're right about that because uh, as far as them drafting based on us, we all, it's no secret. NFL teams, they draft to beat the division rivals. So they saw us take Burns, they went and took McGrary. So that's a fact. That's what they did in that situation. I just don't think it's going to work out in their favor, just to be honest with you. I just think that. That guy that they took has way too many flaws to even be a first-round pick. If you look at it, they had free agents already signed. They gave they gave two linemen $5 billion apiece. They had already addressed the offensive line. That's how I know they got scary, man. They seen us go ahead and get that edge. They said, yo, we got to do – they had no plans on taking the tackle. They got a Pro Bowl tech, they got a Pro Bowl tackle on Jake Matthews, and they 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 just signed a, a undrafted free agent, not an undrafted free agent, but a regular free agent from the Giants. They already had the position answered. When they seen us take Burns, they said, "Yo, we gotta get a, we gotta go do something about that." So that's probably a loss at the end of the day. Yeah. So moving right along to the third round, I mean, we got to talk about what's probably was the most controversial pick of the 2019 NFL draft, and. Hey, I got to be honest, if anyone in y'all was watching me Facebook Live in the Carolina Panthers group, I was livid. I I did not like the pick at the time. I, let me just be honest with you. Uh, we're talking about Will Greer, quarterback out of West Virginia, was taken with the 100th uh, pick, our comp pick in the third round. And it had nothing to do with him as the as a player himself. More so, I felt like there was still some first round, some top quality players still available that we could definitely use that we did not take. But after sleeping on it, talking with you guys about it the next morning, you know, logic started to set in, and I, and I can see the plan, and I can see why this move was made, and I'm and I'm all on board. You know, Will Greer definitely has my full support, and I'm looking forward to to him pushing Cam Newton and anybody know that Cam is super competitive. So pushing Cam is going to a push Cam is a competitive Cam. When, when I thought about it, I, I just saw, I just remember Cam making that look when he played the giants in 2015. Oh, y'all draft a quarterback. I bet, <laughs> you know, that's just how I felt. So, you know, Will, let me bring it over to you. Like, you know, it was always rumored the Panthers might take a quarterback. Some were thinking uh, maybe uh, Tyree Jackson out of Buffalo because his skill set was similar. But what do you think about Will Greer's game that will be a good fit in the North Turn offense? Man, he's pinpoint accurate. You know, I mean, he comes from a – let's give you some background. He comes from the air raid system. You know, it dates back to 19 – back to the 1980s. You had uh, Mike Leach, who was the coach at Texas Tech. You know, his – one of his quarterbacks was Cliff Kingsbury, who's now the coach of the Cardinals. You know, his teammate was Dana Holgerson, who's the coach at West Virginia. You know, one of their coaches, I forget his name, was at Baylor. So you have, like, this family tree of quarterbacks that includes 
RG3, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, Will Greer is in that family tree. So coming in, naturally, you know, he's a technician. You know, he's very accurate. You know, he's part of this system. And look at what this system's produced. You had three number one picks, Jared Goff, Kyler Murray, and Baker Mayfield. But aside from his, you know, skill set, you know, his accuracy and polish as a quarterback, you know, the competition effect. So when you put all of these factors together, I think the pick made sense. You know, we're the only team in the league that hasn't drafted a quarterback since 2011. I think it, it'll turn out to be a very good pick. I agree with you 100%. Well, I'm not going to stay on real great too much because I noticed through the national media and all the other outlets, people either love this pick or they hate this pick. I'll just tell you what I know about the guy. You know, midway through last season, he was the best quarterback in the country. It's just that simple. Um, as far as being polished, as far as having the right mechanics, he has it all. So if he can fully, you know, learn our system, he's a guy that we're going to love. And I feel a lot better today than I did last year. Cam gets hurt. Look what you put in there. I have nothing against Taylor Heineke. I have nothing against Kyle Allen or any of these guys that we brought in, but they're not real deal players. This guy has the potential to be an NFL starter. So having that insurance policy is something that we've never had, except for when, you know, maybe Cam's first two years of the season when DA was a backup. We even started a team to drop off with DA as he got older. So to be able to, to reinstate that security, I'm all for it. And even if we don't even use him, even if Cam is healthy, even if he never steps on the field, you still got to take a page out of the Patriots book. You got a decent quarterback that you can deal and get some value for. So there's nothing wrong with this guy. And another question that somebody brought up was, everybody wanted the safety, right? Honestly, at that pick, you don't take Bill Greer. What safety do you take that's going to come in Carolina and start right away? Was it the guy from Florida? Was it Gardner? I don't know. But honestly, I didn't see nobody on my board that's going to come in as safety and start right away. So as far as value goes, I think it was an outstanding pick. I like Will Greer a lot. I think people underestimate the importance of experience. You know, they think, oh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson looked so good in college. He just going to come in here and blow Denora Searcy out the water. Searcy, he's average. You know, but serviceable in the NFL still means you're a damn good football player. You know, you're just not a pro bowler. You're not an all-pro guy. You're not a consistently making plays. But, you know, somebody like Denora Searcy, he's going to be in the place where he's supposed to be. He knows the playbook. You know, he's used to reading offenses, reading route combinations, you know, reading quarterbacks. He's got experience in that area. So I think, you know, people made the assumption that, oh, we could have took a safety and we would have came in and started week one against the Rams. And I think, you know, don't underestimate the value of experience. You know, the, you know I think we have a few safeties on the roster that could compete. And don't forget free agency. You know, last year we didn't draft a running back during the draft, and we signed C.J. Anderson a few weeks later. So we still got guys like Trey Boston out there that will get strong consideration to come on board. So, you know, I mean, just stay patient. Trey Boston or Eric Berry, man, I'll take either of them. But we, we talking about real Greer. Can we all get, a, get on agreement that, you know, this was a good pick for us? Is four-man rush positive about this pick? I like the pick. You know, I think Will Greer is a very good quarterback. And you look at it, it's funny because you got the tale of two worlds. The Panthers had Will Greer as the third best quarterback in the entire draft. So in their minds, they're getting this round one value at pick 100. They popping champagne bottles in the war room. But on the <laughs> other world, fans are all disappointed. Like, no, we are big boy. He's a fifth rounder. We had two safeties that could have been on the board then. So it's the tale of two different worlds, you know? The Panthers basically look at it like we got the board fell exactly the way the front office wanted it to. They got three first-round value picks in this draft. You know, like I said, and I want to be honest with people, I was not a fan. I, I needed 12 hours to get my mind changed and, and to come around because, one, he's going to be here. So me putting energy into not liking the guy wasn't going to be counterproductive to Again, it was nothing about him, the player. You know, I was, I'm, I'm admit, I'm gonna be one of them fans that was beating the board for safety. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about Drew Brees and Matt Ryan and 
Winston, how they was, you know, picking us off for the top. And we we haven't really had that, you know, ball hawking ability since 2015 with uh, uh, Kurt Coleman. But at the end of the day, you know, what, what you guys just said makes sense. You know, there is something to be said about experience. Uh, and there's still options out there. You know, Trey Boston and Eric Berry um, being, being the guys. So, you know, to find a piece of the puzzle still haven't been put together. but. You know, I'm I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely excited and I'm all aboard. You know, if like I said, if, if Will Greer doesn't do nothing but push Cam back to MVP caliber play because every day in practice he's going out there and pretty much matching him throw for throw and 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 you know swag for swag out there. I mean, hey, you know, a motivated challenge Cam Newton is a is is good for the Panthers and bad for the rest of the NFL. And, you know, again, you know, with me with the stats, just, you know, looking over Will Greer, according to Pro Football Focus, of all the quarterbacks that were drafted, he had the lowest percentage of uncatchable passes at 13.2%. What that means is that of all his, like, that basically means he's got touch. You know, whenever he's throwing to whoever he's throwing to, they're, you know, they're catching the ball at a better rate than any other quarterback. I mean, and when he's got a clean pocket, I mean, this guy's passer rating was 132.6. His adjusted completion percentage was 76. I mean, he's just someone that you give him time, he's going to get the ball where it needs to go. But uh, I definitely, I'm definitely I'm excited about Will Greer, and it's definitely going to make the quarterback room a lot more interesting, and I'm all for it. Hey, Kev, before we move on to the next pick, just a quick question in regards to this situation. Was there a particular safety or any position that you preferred over where Will Grin to make you so disgruntled with the pick? Well, with me, because we had to give up our third to snatch uh, Greg Little, like, had we got a safety and then drafted Greer with the comp pick, I'd have been just fine. You know, I, I, I'll be honest. But, you know, the guy that, you know, the guys that we had talked about, you know, were already off the board, like Adderley and, and our, our biggest crush, you know, Darnell Savage, he went all the way in the first round. You know, all the ones, you know, we thought, you know, Juan Thornhill. I was like, dang, you know. So I, I was still, you know, I was pounding the table, too, for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Yeah, the two best safeties on the board at pick 100 was Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Deontay Thompson out of Alabama. And, I mean, Deontay Thompson's got good athletic traits, but I don't think he he would be an immediate starter. If you watch the um, national championship game against Clemson, his instincts was a little off. You know, he was overly aggressive, biting a lot, and got burned a couple times. So I don't think he'd be a day-one starter. I see him overrun everything. I know I don't like Thompson from, from Alabama, so we're not even going to talk about him. But <laughs> that's just me. But um, at the end of the day, I just want something – I just want Panther Nation to also understand something else. Guys may have not noticed, but, you know, we go by what the mocks say. We go by everybody's – all the famous guys' mocks. Whether I know it's not uh, Mayock no more. He's in, he's in uh, Vegas. But uh, we, we, we generally go by what everybody else is saying. And a lot of these players that went earlier – we actually had high on our boards. And I, that just came to mind because we talked about Darnell Savage. Four-man rush thought he was the best safety in the draft. That's how we felt. It was either him or Nasir Adderley. And you saw he went extremely early. Um, we were really high on Cleveland Farrell. He went the fourth pick. And the rest of the country is saying, oh, the Raiders reached on him. They reached on him. Four-man rush thinks he was probably the second best DN in the draft. That's just our scout eye. So we just want you to trust us a little bit because everybody that went earlier than expected, except for Daniel Jones or whatever the Giants quarterback name is, we honestly had a high value on. So that's just something to pay attention to. I'm I'm really I'm really proud of that. That you know we really really pay attention to the film. All the guys that we really wanted, everybody that Kevin was high on, everybody that Will was high on, everybody that Monty was high on. Those guys went before we even had a chance to get them. So I just know that guys know what they're talking about as far as, you know, what players can help you out a lot. Yeah, I think media might get too influenced by the combine. You know, like the Cleveland Farrell, for example, had the um, 
he's got a high floor but a low ceiling. But you watch him on tape. I mean, he's explosive off the ball. I mean, he's so good athleticism. I mean, do you really need to see him run a 40? I mean, he, I, I imagine he has an elite 10-yard split. So, yeah, you just got to stop paying so much attention to the media marks and the combine and just dig into the tape. You know, the tape doesn't lie. And I think with Cleveland Farrell, for example, they stuck with the tape. And in our case, with Will Greer, you know, North Scott Turner, they'd watch their film. They stuck with the tape and said, this guy's the real deal. You know, at pick 100, he's a steal. 100%, man. Kev, take us on to who we talking about next. Who was the pick after uh, Who was the pick after Greer? It was Mr. Christian Miller, right? Yeah, so 12 noon at Saturday started rounds four through seven for the NFL draft. You know, I was sitting here at the crib, you know, posted up, ready to see what we're going to do. We uh, At the time, we only had three picks, but, you know, with pick number 115 in the fourth round, the Carolina Panthers selected Christian Miller, linebacker out of uh, Alabama. Uh, this was a guy that caught my eye late in the draft process. I, uh, I say about two, maybe three weeks, I really started paying attention to him because he just seemed to poke out when I was watching other players. You know, and for those of y'all that don't know, this is a homecoming for him. This is someone that is from Columbia, South Carolina. So we're bringing a, a Carolina native back home to play for, quote unquote, the hometown team. You know, so that's that's definitely going to be good to, you know, for him and give him that extra motivation to play in front of family and friends again. You know, and, you know, the thing about Christian Miller is we're talking about someone that potentially has first round talent, but, you know, injuries at Alabama plus the star studded lineup at Alabama had them out the limelight. So I'm thinking that we really came away with people with four first-round grades with this draft, particularly with Christian Miller. I, I just like the fact that he can play outside linebacker. He showed his ability to put his hand in the dirt, and he can do it from both sides of the ball, just like Brian Burns. So, again, position flexibility, you know, one-on-one -on -one with Marty Herney has been in full effect. You know, Larry, you mentioned earlier you don't really care for – you know, anybody in Alabama in a Panthers uniform, but how you feel about this guy? I love Christian Miller. And again, it comes down to NFL pedigree. He has some family with NFL experience. I also want to give uh, North Stormberg, our main blogger, a lot of credit because he's been high on Christian Miller since day one. I'm talking about maybe January, February. He's been all over Christian Miller. Yes, he was. Uh, another thing to point out is, you know, we, we like to draft high character guys. Ryan Burns, high-character guy. Greg Little, high-character guy. Will Greer, high-character guy. People don't know, Christian Miller was a captain on that Alabama team, on that Alabama defense. Even though he had injury issues and he missed some snaps, he still was the captain of that defense. So that says a lot about his character. I think he has a lot of similar abilities as far as Brian Burns goes. He's got a good get-off. What I really love about him is his versatility because you can only not only put him at the edge, he's also played some inside linebacker. He's also blitzed through the A-gap. I mean, he's a he's an outstanding player for, for us to get in the fourth round. I just feel like those four first picks, all those guys I had higher grades on. You know, I had way higher grades on. So I feel like we've won this draft. I don't care what anybody else says. Because Christian Miller, fourth round, He's a first-round talent. It's just that simple. He does it all. He he has that ability to uh convert his speed into power. I've seen his bull rush. He has that in his repertoire. He has good athletic ability. He had a good 40. And also his instincts. Honestly, when it comes down to Alabama players, you can take their third-string edge rusher, and he'll start for pretty much anybody else. So when it comes down to Christian Miller, I think that in the end of the day, this was a future move. We want to see in the future, three, four years from now, you'll have a Brian Burns, Christian Miller combination. And I think that both of those players are capable of contributing day one. So they'll get all the experience, all the war stuff out the way right away. Christian Miller was an outstanding pick. That's actually my favorite pick in the draft. And I hate Alabama. So, again, you know, Will, whenever you were checking out uh, SEC games, you know, we mentioned that Christian Miller was injured, but you know, when he was healthy, when he played, I mean, I'm seeing a guy that was just, you know what I'm saying, wrecking shop. You know, he was tearing ish up, you know. Uh, is there anything that 
that you like that you saw on film about Christian Miller, uh, Will, that made you think that, uh, yeah, th- th- this guy's going to do do great upon the Ron Rivera defense. And one thing to keep in mind is he played, he was more of a situational player. You know, he probably played half the snaps. But even in a situational role playing, you know, 400 or so snaps, he had eight and a half sacks, which led the team. He led the team in quarterback pressures. You're talking about an extremely productive guy who made the most of the snaps he was given. Uh, durability is an issue. You know, I can't lie about that. He had a torn biceps his junior year. And he had hamstring issues towards the end of the year. He had to miss the national championship game against Clemson. And he missed the senior bowl because of his hamstring issues. And he also wasn't able to test well. So when you have this injury history, you know, you kind of reduces your draft value. But, you know, just got to look for the traits. I mean, he can bend very well, which is a rare trait that you look for in defensive ends. He's got great advanced hand technique, similar to Brian Burns. He's not explosive. He's not that explosive athlete that Burns is. But I think between, you know, his, you know, fundamentals, his, you know, bend, his versatility, he can be a very good contributor to this defense. You know, we just got to keep him healthy and out of the training room. Yeah, and just another thing to break down what you said about his limited snaps. Fellas, check this out. According to Pro Football Focus, with just 203 pass rush snaps in 2018, uh, as you mentioned, Will, he led the team with 39 pressures. But let me break those pressures down. Those 39 pressures were 19 quarterback hurries, 10 quarterback hits, and, well, they got him down for 10 sacks, but, you know, we saw eight and a half. But either way, he, in in a limited role, he was pretty much being a nightmare and a nuisance for for the uh, quarterback. And like you said, line him up at outside linebacker. He brought pressure, line him up on the inside. I mean, you're talking about us, you know, in a three, four front, you know, don't be surprised if you see Luke Keeklin, Christian Miller side by side in a, in a three, four look, you know, I mean, this guy has that type of versatility. So you're talking about someone that could play any one of the four linebacker spots and bring heat when we go to the uh, hybrid, you know, 30 man front. So, I just really, I just like the fact that in spite of injuries, he was hell when he was well, you know, and, and I trust that Ryan Vermillion and the coach and the training staff is going to, you know, have him right and good nutrition and good strength and conditioning. And and if he's healthy, boy, you talking about, we can make a legit claim that this was possibly the steal of the draft as well. Just, uh, Just to touch on the NFL pedigree that I mentioned earlier. His father, if Panther fans don't know, was Corey Miller. Um, he was a six-round draft pick from the New York Giants. I believe he came from the University of South Carolina. But if you notice with Christian McCaffrey, you know, his work ethic is impeccable because he grew up around the game. I love guys that grow up around the game. So as far as as far as this year's draft, our two edge rushers, Brian Burns, Christian Miller, they grew up around the game. Both of their both of their family members played in the NFL. They were close to the game from birth, and that just makes things easier as far as making sure a guy has good work ethic, making sure a guy has a couple of extra pointers that regular players don't have. I think again, even with our first round pick, Christian Miller has the same ceiling. Man, he can be an outstanding player for us. Yeah, plus what we think we haven't talked about yet is Alabama dropped him in coverage a lot. That's what uh, Ron Rivera likes to do with his edge rushes. Um, I like him better on film. I think he's more explosive out of the three-point stance with his hand in the dirt. You know, he's not as explosive off the edge, you know, standing up or, you know, dropping in the coverage. He's not as fluid as a coverage linebacker. But coming out that three-point stance, he's very explosive. So, you know, you have a lot to look forward to there, you know, and, in his limited action, you just love that bend off the edge. You know, whenever you're evaluating defensive ends, that's what you want to look for, that bend off the edge. And Christian Miller showed the ability to do that. So, you know, I think when you day three pick, you want value. And I think because of his injury history, his limited action, he slipped. So I think you just got great, you know, high-quality value at that pick in the, what, fifth round, fourth round. Hey, well, you made a good point, and it actually brings up something. I was listening to WFNZ the other day. They actually brought Christian Miller in for an interview, 
And they asked him a very important question that most players really can't answer. But, you know, they asked him about his strengths, what he think he does best. But they also said, you know, what are your weaknesses? What do you think that you can improve on? And honestly, it pinpoints what you just said. He said, I like to become a more fluid athlete in space. I like to be better in coverage. So that is telling me his awareness is off the chain. His ability to get better, his will to get better is off the chain. He knows that that's something that he can improve on. And I think that that's something that he will do, especially with the right coaching. So I just love the character of the guys that we pick. I love the character. These guys want to come in and help us. They want to come in and make a difference. Yeah, and to wrap up about Christian Miller, you know, when we talk about these guys, I know we're talking exclusively Panther fans about, you know, their pass rushing ability, but let's not look good. These guys can play the run as well. You know, you just can't be all one way on a Ron Rivera defense, you know, because teams will try you, you know. So Christian Miller and Brown Burns both have shown that they're more than capable of making plays in the run game because, you know, if you're known exclusively as a just a pass rush, you know, teams like to run at you. Well, you know, if you try that against Brown Burns and Christian Miller, good luck because, you know, these guys got no problem mixing up, sticking their head in and, you know, making a play happen. But let's move on to the fifth round after Christian Miller. Um, you know, a lot of speculation was, you know, made about the Panthers trying to find a running back to compliment Christian McCaffrey. And to a surprise, we, it was a running back that I honestly had not heard much about. But obviously, you know, had caught the eyes of the Panthers scouts. And that was Jordan Scarlett, running back out of Florida. You know, I just, you know, I'm just going to go hit you with the stats real quick because, again, I didn't really know that much about the guy. But we're talking about somebody that had the, according to pro football focus, he had the fourth best, you know, rushing grade at 86.4. Uh, he's someone that broke a lot of tackles. You know, you know, a lot of Panther fans, you know, love saying Christian McCaffrey can't run inside. He doesn't break a lot of tackles, even though stats proved otherwise. But this is a guy that's that runs like a bruiser, but he has speed. Now, his hands, he didn't have a lot of receptions there. He only had 10, but he didn't get a lot of balls thrown his way as well. So um, he's someone that I definitely think can complement what McCaffrey does and provide a nice spark and element to, to what we got to do. But, um, Will, let me start off with you. you. You live in the state of Florida. Was there anything – that throughout the year that you ever noticed about Jordan Scarlett that, that you liked? Yeah, I mean, he shared the backfield, but I think this is a good pick. He really went under the radar, and I'm surprised he got picked uh, so low and he wasn't a more highly graded prospect. It might have been just the, you know, the production wasn't there. But, you know, he's a runs hard, you know, breaks a lot of tackles. He's a very explosive guy. Uh, another thing that might have dropped him was he had some off-the-field issues back in, uh, I think, the year before, which might have been a reason. He was a red flag. But other than that, though, he runs really hard, man. He breaks a lot of tackles. He's slippery. You know, I think I've seen some people compare him to Alvin Kamara, actually, the way he, you know, just slips tackles, has great balance, great vision. Uh, where I like to see him improve is hands. Um, I don't think his receptions – no, well, let's first off, you know, Christian McCaffrey's like a one of a kind receiving back. So we can't hold every running back to that standard of being a receiver out of the backfield. You know, Jordan Scarlett can run the basic running back routes, you know, the Texas route. I've seen him run. He can do screens, swing passes. He just has to develop some more consistent hands. But I really like what I saw on tape. You know, he's my favorite to win that RB2 job. I think it'd be a great compliment to Christian McCaffrey. I know about the guy. Then I'm going to ask you a quick question. But um, you addressed, the, you know, he had a little bit of an off-the-field issue. You know, he was suspended in 2017 season for uh, an investigation involving fraud. Obviously, you know, they let him come back and play. But that's the reason why he was suspended. They had to actually investigate the situation. As far as stats go, he had a 777 yards in a split roll. He also produced five touchdowns. And, you know, as far as speed goes, he's really, really similar as far as the explosion when it comes to Christian McCaffrey. He ran the 4-4-7-40. But um, you mentioned earlier about the Texas route. Just so our Panther fans know, 
Can you just tell us what the Texas route is? Yeah, what you're doing is they call it Texas option route, angle route. What you're going to do, you're going to line up in the backfield. You're going to come out, match up with a linebacker. You're going to fake like you're running outside and then cut back inside. I think in uh, college we call it a shot route. It's kind of like an angle. You're going to fake like you're going to run that shallow out into the flat, fake them and cut back inside real sharply. You know, if you watch Christian McCaffrey, that's what he eats on all day long. For the Madden players out there on the game, they call it the halfback option. You know, you come out on that angle, you get to choose if you wanted to do a quick out or you want to cut back in. I just want the Panther fans to understand what that was. And um, Kevin, you have any thoughts on Mr. Scarlett? Yeah, one last thing before we move on to the six-round pick. One thing that Marty Herney, you know, we've been talking about we get players with character, and one of the big things that Marty Herney and Rivera both said that stood about Scarlett, the fact that he owned up to his mistakes. You know, as a freshman, he had a he was also arrested for uh, misdemeanor marijuana possession. And then, you know, he had the credit card fraud, and that led to him being suspended with seven other teammates in 2017. The fact that the other players that got in trouble left and he stayed because he wanted to make good, they felt like that type of character, that type of, you know, owning up to what you did and coming back, they they said that, that was that's what impressed them the most about him, uh, not only as a as a person, but as a player as well. The fact that you know you messed up, you paid your dues, and you wanted to come back and, and show good face. And it was said that the teammates from Florida thought that he was one of the better guys to rally around and to lead the team in 2018. So, you know, again, we've been talking about high character guys. We're talking about a guy that messed up, owned up to it, and came back and finished strong. So that'll go good in the Panthers' locker room. Just as another tidbit about uh, Scarlett, for anyone that's interested, if you go on YouTube, you can look up a high school game. It's uh, Fort Lauderdale, American Heritage versus uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. And you'll see two of the Panthers players playing against each other in high school. Jordan Scarlett was the running back for Aquinas, and Brian Burns was the defensive end for Heritage. Yeah, definitely check that out. I mean, you get to see, you know, the athletic ability from day one. But, Kev, I love what you said, man. I love a guy that just, you know, come out and own it. You make a mistake, show some – I don't want to curse. Show some accountability. We just look at the what was the guy that went second overall, Joey Bosa? I'm not Joey, Nick Bosa. He we just literally saw him lie about some of the actions that he took place in, you know, in the years past. And I, that's a guy I wouldn't want nowhere near my football team. So when you brought that up about Mr. Scarlett, man, he made some mistakes. He owned up to him. I respect that, man. That's a guy that I want in my locker room, to be honest with you. So that's a that's a win for us too. Hopefully he can make this roster. Hopefully he can be our RB, too. Definitely. So heading to round six, you know, that's supposed to be our last pick. But again, you know, sitting here at the crib, I saw, uh, you know, Panthers trade. I'm like, OK, what we done did now? But this time we traded back. We traded back in the sixth round with the um, Denver Broncos. We went from 187 to pick 212. And we also got a seventh round pick at 230, I think, seven as well. And with the sixth round pick, again, someone that caught my eye late, they got Dennis Daly, uh, offensive tackle out of South Carolina. Um, he's someone that, I'm going to be honest, guy, he's a project player. Don't really have a lot of expectations for him, but we need to definitely develop, you know, a reliable, serviceable swingman. And, I, again, under Coach Masco, he's going to have to definitely put this car in the shop and have him in there for a while. But we're talking about a guy that, you know, when I watched the film of him against Clemson, you know, all-world defensive line, he he made some mistakes, but he also he took some licks, but he gave a few back. He was someone that I seen pin block Desta Lawrence. He's someone I seen wall off uh, Cleveland Farrell. And he's someone that also saw pin block, you know, um, Austin Bryant as well. So we're talking about the top, you know, defenders on that Clemson defensive line. He had his moments where he – you know, where he gave them gave them the business. But he's definitely raw. Uh, he definitely has a lot to be worked on, but he has the tools. He spent his first two years of college eligibility at, I believe, uh, Georgia Military School. And then he uh, spent his last two years at South Carolina. So we're talking about a player that was raw due to lack of, you know, a lot of playing time, but 
he definitely shows that he has tools that you can build around to be a serviceable lineman. Well, you know I love the hog mollies, but uh, Kev, this is a guy that you can have, man. This is one of your favorites. You can have him. You know, initially, I see him as just a camp body because as far as the undrafted free agents, I didn't see us bringing any, any extra linemen. But just a couple of fun facts about him, man. He's a JUCO kid. His story is beautiful, man. He spent two years at the JUCO. At that JUCO, he was able to play left tackle and left guard. So he's an – I understand why they brought him in because the versatility speaks for itself. He has extremely large hands. He has good length and he has a good chest. You know, if somebody can mold him to be the player that they want him to be, he might be able to be that for us. But, you know, I just saw a lot of mistakes. I seen him on a lot of guys' highlight tapes, so I'm not extremely high on him. But I also understand why he was brought in. The versatility speaks for itself. He can play both positions. You know, two, three, four years from now, he might be able to fill in and be a starter in this league. So we, we don't really know yet, you know. So I'm going to be optimistic about the pick. I understand why it was made. There's a lot of a lot of things you could take away from him. But uh, that's just my thoughts on him. I, I love his story. I love the JUCO story. I love the fact that he was an honor roll student that told me he has a high IQ. But that's just about it. That's all I have for him. All right. Will, you have anything you want to add in about um, Mr. Daly out of South Carolina real quick? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he has the feet to be tackle projected as a tackle at the next level. I see him more as a guard or maybe kind of a hybrid lineman that can play all positions, back up every position. Same here. Funny, because the reason I know about him is because I was studying defensive ends and I was watching Josh Allen. I'm like, who's this guy Josh Allen's working? And it turned out it was him. But, I mean, like you said, he's a project, you know what I mean? Josh Allen can just send you a – send him a thank you card for his making his highlight tape for him. And then he'll just come in and Masco will work with him and see what he can do. That's a part of his tape, man. He, play, he played a whole bunch of high-end high end DNs. I think he also saw Sweat. So they, they really preach about his track record, man. He's been through the wars. He's seen a lot of the best DNs in college. Yeah, and I think that'll serve him well, um, you know, being here and not having the pressure because, you know, we got Daryl Williams here this year, Taylor Moten, and we draft Greg Little. So he could pretty much sit back in the limelight and, and focus on perfecting his craft and and just becoming a player that, you know, that when his number is called and when his, when his time comes, he's going to step up and perform. So to finish up the, recept, the NFL draft for the Carolina Panthers with the seven-round pick, uh, we took Terry Goodwin. I think I said it correct. Uh, wide receiver out of the University of Georgia. Uh, this is someone that Larry was high on early in the draft process when we started evaluating, looking at players. Um, again, as we get ready to wrap this up, um, they, hey, tell tell us what, what what stood out about uh, Godwin and you, um, Larry. Well, he got drafted exactly where I wanted him to be drafted at. I saw him as like a late round, or the sixth or seventh round. He has a couple of qualities that could be beneficial to us. I'll give you guys some information about him. You know, um, two years ago, three years ago, he was actually drafted 33rd round, 2016 MLB draft. So he's a dual athlete. He does a lot of things well. Also, he's a four-year player, so he has experience. You know, he's been there. He's been at Georgia since his freshman year. He actually got to start his junior and senior year. So, you know, with the Kirby Smart thing, he's one of the best coaches in college football. He's been able to come up under him and really get some good qualities. Um, his biggest game was in the, F uh, the, the SEC championship. He scored a couple of touchdowns against Auburn. Um, he offers special teams value because he actually returns punts. He also returns kickoffs. Uh, he's, which a lot of people don't know, this is better than what we've had in the past. And we're going to talk about Kelvin Benjamin, but his qualities are he's a smooth route runner, Chris. Smooth route runner, but the only issue with him is his frame. They don't think he can get off the press efficiently enough. So that's kind of questionable about him. Also, he ran a four-five-five-forty, uh, so he's not as fast as you would want him to be at that size. But uh, if you actually bring him on some underneath routes, like I saw him do at Georgia, he's excellent at catching on the run. Jake Fromm, he was like Jake Fromm's security blanket, you know, Bring a drag underneath that you saw DJ Moore do a lot. He'll catch that thing and try to make something happen after the catch. But um, I I doubt that he'll 
actually take snaps from anybody as far as the 53, but he can actually probably mix the 53 as maybe a return specialist or at least be on our practice squad. It was a value pick because he would have got signed anyway, you know, even undrafted. There's some things about him, like I told you, the route running that makes him interesting. But that's all I pretty much have on uh, Mr. Terry Godwin. And, Will, uh, you had the last part here, so we can go ahead and uh, uh, wrap this bad boy up. What, what would you like to add about uh, about the slot wide receiver from Georgia? Yeah, I mean, clearly Norv as a type. You know, I look at the guys he's bought in, Jerry is right, you know, Chris Hogan. You know, he's in that, um, not that caliber, but that, you know, type of role. You know, that's the kind of role he'll be looking to fill, you know, coming into the NFL. So, I mean, you all already be pretty much covered his um, background. I think he'll be a guy that could come in and compete. You know, we got six receiver spots. So, maybe that five or six spot, he might be able to sneak in and find his way on the team as a return man. So, you know, should be, you know, wide receiver five and six will be one of the camp battles we got to look forward to this summer. Yeah, Panther fans. So, overall, you know, here at the four-man rush, you know, we, we, we felt good seeing the, the players that we studied and evaluated and was sharing with you guys um, with posts throughout, throughout all season were able to get drafted in places that we thought, if not better. So that makes us feel confident that our ability to scout and evaluate talent and, and, and share it with you guys, you know, was validated. So we definitely enjoyed that. But overall, I, I give, I think Herney killed this draft. I think he, you know, pretty much nailed this draft from first pick to last. Like I said, we're talking about potentially four players with first with uh, first round talent that we got with our first four picks. We didn't uh, we didn't give up anything crazy with our trading, and I feel like that we got a uh, good quality, smart character football players that's going to definitely come in and compete and help make this Carolina Panther team in 2019 a much better team. So, fellas, uh, what's your last words, starting with you, Will? I think this is one of the better drafts we've had. You know, I look forward to seeing these guys in rookie camp coming up and see them compete this summer. You know, I think at the same time, while we're excited about what they can become, you know, it's important to, you know, keep your expectations in check. You know, they are rookies. they got a lot to learn. Suppressing rookie talent in favor of veterans, you know, they're still learning the game and trying to become pros. I agree with you guys, man. Like, I had my favorite players in the draft. You know, your Greedy Williams, your Andre Dillard, your Garrett Bradbury. You know, we didn't pick none of those players as my favorites, but I see upside in every single pick that we made this year. And um, Panther fans, if you guys don't mind, man, I'd appreciate it if you actually, uh, as far as our next topic, send me a message. Let me know what you think are going to be the tightest camp battles. You know, you got receiver. Is, uh, Terry Godwin just came in here. He's going to be competing for a spot. We got two running backs as far as uh, Scarlett. We also signed uh, Elijah Holyfield undrafted. That might be a tight camp battle. What do you think the corner, what do you think the secondary is going to look like as far as, you know, Jackson, Bradbury? You know, you got uh, Russ Cockrell, uh, Seymour coming back. You know, just let me know what you think your toughest battle in camp is going to be. You know, something that you're looking forward to for Wofford, because we all going to be there. So, Panther fans, we want to thank you so much for listening with us on Episode 7, the post-2019 NFL Draft podcast episode of the Four Man Rush. Keep pounding, and thank you for tuning in to the Four Man Rush. She love it, we out in public and we can just chill with my partners and we can go back to my crib and just chill out the covers and do we call me and you love us cause I just don't The Foreman Rush is brought to you by the love and respect of and for the Carolina Panthers and Carolina Panther fans everywhere. Keep pounding. The Four Men Rush is a non-affiliate of the Carolina Panther organization. All thoughts, assessments, and content of this podcast is directly related to the Four Men Rush exclusively. Thank you.